was a teenager, I got a lot of calls from friends who poured out their personal problems, either for solace or advice. Never quite figured it out. It got so bad that my parents got another phone line for me to use. The calls disturbed their sleep, some of which were in the middle of the night. I actually enjoyed these conversations and thought about what career I can pursue that will allow me to have food on the table and at the same time help others with advice or whatever. The priesthood was tantalizingly ideal, so I took up a pre-divinity course. Obviously, I never became a priest, but that desire to help still lingered. Little did I know that this practice has now been turned into a profession, that I can actually do this professionally. Hello, I'm George, and this is the third part of our Masterclass episode that zeroes in on coaching and mentoring. This is brought to you by Cutprint Productions. Again, I'm fortunate to have with me as a resource person, coach and mentor, RV Villamarzo. Hi, RV. Welcome back. Hi, George. Nice to be here. Yeah, great. Middle of the day at the start of the week. Uh, it's a good thing you're available. Thank you for that. So we go on. Last week, we talked about the different types of coaches. It's on right now. If you haven't listened to it, RV, uh, it's on in, uh, in on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. Today, we're going to be talking about something else. How can someone be a coach or um, are there any special qualities needed for someone to actually be a coach? Maybe you get, get started on that. Sure, sure, George. Mm -hmm. So actually, when, you, when we talk about the word coach, you know, people have varying definitions of that. So mm -hmm. an example could be a financial coach and someone can just say, you know, like I'm a, I, I sell insurance products and therefore they can start coaching people about their finances. And in that sense, yes, they can. But mm -hmm. really before anyone becomes a financial advisor, for sure, they have been through some sort of training. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true for, let's say, a sports coach. Maybe they've learned kinesiology or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But when we apply it to the field of, let's say, a life coach or an executive coach, you know, for sure, they also went through some form of training where they, number one, got coached themselves mm -hmm. so they can experience what coaching is. Mm -hmm. Number two is they coached other people so that they can try it with the real setting. And they did that after, you know, like a lengthy classroom session. Mm -hmm. Do you have any resource, well, sites in the internet where they can enroll or which they can get in touch with? Yeah, so a, a good resource would be to go to the website, uh, coachingfederation.org. Mm -hmm. And from, from that website, you will see a lot of things, you know, like what schools can you sign up for? Uh, what coaches, who are the coaches that you can get in touch with if you want to try being coached for the first time? And so that would be a definitely, that would definitely be a good resource to, to begin with. Mm -hmm. And uh, do, you, do you actually coach yourself? Like, uh, do you coach the, the would-be coaches? They can, you know, as a matter of fact, that's probably one of the best, I mean, probably one of the best ways to begin the coaching journey is to be coached yourself. So do I do that? Yeah. Like if there are people who want to experience coaching, I can definitely offer them some form of coaching. Uh-huh. Very nice. And uh, are there any special qualities for one to become a coach? Like, uh, you know, uh, should you be sensitive? Uh, should you 
should you be well read? Uh, what are the qualities that uh, somebody's looking for in a good coach? That is actually very difficult to answer, George. So, so I would imagine that the correct answer is, I mean, the obvious answer would be hopefully this person knows how to listen, has a little bit of empathy, uh, and can refrain from giving advice because the job of a coach is to ask questions and not to give advice. Uh -huh. But other people would also say that, you know, it's something that you can learn. Um, and I have seen some very high-ranking executives who are filled with a lot of opinion and they want to be a mentor instead. Uh -huh. I've, I've seen them actually learn how to coach. So I guess both are correct. Uh-huh. You know, I get what you mean because, you know, during the introduction, I said... Um, when I was young, when I was still in high school, I, I used to get a lot of calls from friends, uh, heartbroken. Uh, they used to cry on the phone in the middle of the night to the point that my parents got a second phone line uh, just for them not to be disturbed anymore. And uh, I found out that most of them didn't even need my advice. They only needed an ear to talk to and somehow their burdens seem to have been alleviated with the conversations that we, we had before. So I don't know, is, is that coaching? Would you call that coaching at, oh, when I was a teenager, when I used to do that? Yeah, George. So what I'm getting from, from the story that you're sharing right now mm -hmm. is that you were present, you know, for the, your friend. You provided uh -huh. some sort of a safe listening space mm -hmm. where the person felt heard, and it allowed the person to actually articulate their thoughts, maybe in a way that they could not do if they were talking to someone who was judgmental. Mm -hmm. So it probably doesn't sound like you were coaching, but if you really looked at the components of coaching, safe listening space, you know, mm -hmm. creating that environment where, pe where people can talk, that those are very important uh, parts of coaching. Uh -huh. You know, uh, I, I discovered that uh, when you listen to someone, when somebody has a problem, for instance, and uh, uh, and he tells somebody about the problem, uh, we, even without any advice at all, he somehow finds a solution to the problem just by, you know, voicing out his problem. I mean, probably because uh, w when he hears what is happening to himself, somehow he is able to process the whole thing and analyze it more well uh, analyze it well enough to be able to find a solution just by hearing himself talk about the problem uh, is there any truth to that yeah absolutely <laughs> actually especially the extroverts george and like uh -huh. the, the world of mbti tells us that extroverts think by talking oh okay <laughs> <laughs> So that's how it is. Uh, you, you need to listen to it. You need to hear everything yourself for you to be able to uh, sort of analyze whatever it is, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, now that you've said that uh, we, we could go to coaching, uh, what what's that website again? Uh, coachingfederation.org Coachingfederation.org Next question is, are the schools for coaching and mentoring available locally or do you have to go international for that? Wow, that is a good question. So pre-pandemic, there, there are probably just a handful of coaching schools that you can go to in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. 
But now that we live in a world where Zoom and Teams are, you know, are, are so common, mm-hmm. you can actually sign up for any coaching course that's being offered anywhere in the world. And as long as those courses are accredited by the International Coaching Federation, you, you can pretty much sign up for anything you want to know. Uh huh. And what happens during coach training? Like, uh, can, can you can you uh, somehow give us a a guided tour on what happens from day one or hour one of day one up to the end of the training? Okay. So each of the coaching schools would probably have their their own methodology, George. But if essentially they will begin with some sort of the fundamentals, like mm-hmm. what is coaching? How is that different from mentoring? What are the things that a coach can and cannot do? And maybe, hopefully, they will also refer to what is known as the competency markers of the International Coaching Federation, which will enumerate, you know, pretty much what are the behaviors, what are the mindsets that are expected from coaches. Mm -hmm. And after that initial, you know, foundation, then comes the, the fun part where you get to try to coach one another, where you apply the principles that you've learned, and more importantly, where you make all the mistakes that you need Mm -hmm. to make so that when you go out there in real life, you've committed just about every mistake there is to commit. Uh So so you're telling me that there's some criteria involved here uh, for you to be be able to be a good coach. Absolutely. Uh And uh, how long does a normal training take? The, there's such a thing called an, an ACSTH course, uh, coach specific training hours. It takes about 60, 65 hours total. Mm-hmm. On, and then after that, there's the, the practicum where you, you, you know, you coach people. Um, so there's a combination of theory and practice. How many hours so, is one session? Uh, a coaching session. It could be an hour initially, but as someone begins to become, more adept at it, mm-hmm. then, you know, it, it could get shorter. Like I have seen, I mean, just go to YouTube actually. Mm-hmm. And if you you type uh, MCC or Master Certified Coach, I've seen some of them coach people for 15 minutes or less. I mean, mm-hmm. they've gotten so good at it. I mean, you can just have a casual conversation. And at the end of the conversation, it's like, Oh wow! Like I see the whole world oh. differently now because of that conversation. Oh, okay. But what about training? Like uh, you, you said, sixty-five hours. Like how long is one training session? Oh, it really depends. Um, back before the pandemic, that would probably be you know sixty-five hours divided by eight hours in a day, where you're physically in a hotel, like really? attending classroom <laughs> sessions. Yep. Is that so? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but but now George, it's like two hours in Zoom. People are just ready to go to sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, right. Uh-huh. So they probably divide it now into multiple two-hour sessions. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, here's the here's the kicker: how much does it cost? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you take a look at, so let's just begin with the Philippines. Uh huh. So it's. An ICF accredited ACSTH course would probably range anywhere between $2,000 to as high as, I don't know, like I've seen a course which is $10,000 upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's the difference between the two and the 10? Like two, $2,000 is about 100,000 pesos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I guess it's number one is the regionalized pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, so some some schools are aware that in the Philippines, you know, being a third world country, 
they're willing to give consideration uh -huh. for you know people who live here. So it's socialized pricing, in other words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there are also those who, you know, like maybe they're based in the Europe and in the U.S. And your classmates are all from first world countries and they probably provide longer hours as well. Some some coaching schools actually give 125 hours or more of actual training. Mm -hmm. And so you can imagine how it becomes more expensive because of that. Uh -huh. And is there up training after that? Like for instance, you know how we, we are in training, like every now and then we have to have refresher courses. Yeah, absolutely. So there are two types of training. One is what we call the CCE, continuing education hours. Mm -hmm. And just to renew your credential as a credentialed coach, you need to be able to show that you've taken X number of hours. Like I think it's 30 just for you to renew your credential. Uh-huh. So that's your professional regulation commission. Yeah. <laughs> the PRC, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect analogy, George. And then the second type is if you want to move up in rank, because you know, you can there are ranks, you know, within the coaching profession. Uh-huh. Uh, so it it simply tells you how much uh they've experienced in life, meaning measured by the number of coaching hours they have, the number of coach education number of hours of coach education they've taken. Mm -hmm. And as people move up from one level to another, it requires more training. So to answer your question, George, the moment you become a coach, you never stop studying how to become a coach. Oh, I can imagine. Right. And, uh, and uh, is there any age limit? Like uh, how young or how old does a coach have to be to become a coach? Wow. Well, in the Philippines, I know that the youngest coach ever uh, was about 19 years old. I mean, really? and there could be someone uh -huh. younger that I don't know of. Uh -huh. And then in terms of an upper limit charge, there is no upper limit. And as a matter of fact, I suppose with wisdom, uh -huh. you know, comes a greater ability to be a coach. Uh -huh. And who sets, who pegs the, the rate? Like for instance, I'm a coach and I want to charge, uh, let's say 10,000 pesos uh, per hour. Who sets that? Is there a limit? Is there a regulation or a cap for coaches to follow? Uh, there is no cap, George. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, you know, like if people can do it through through marketing <laughs> or mm -hmm. through some sort of persuasive communication, there there is nobody that will tell you that you're charging too much. Oh, okay. Um, but there might be people who are telling you that you're charging too little. Really? Uh-huh. Especially if you're good, if you're that good. Yeah, because what happens is, you know, some people undercut uh, the the rates hoping uh -huh. to capture the market. But what it does, it actually damages the profession. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it exists uh, in every profession, I suppose. But uh, it really sucks when, when some people just try to dive with their rates just to get more clients. Mm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you call your, your, your clients clients or customers or patients? Oh, clients. I think a lot of people call them clients. Some people call them coaches. Coaches. All right. Coaches and coaches. Right. Yes. And <laughs> is there any... Okay. Uh, you said that if uh, I go to YouTube, I'll see a lot of uh, coaching uh, sessions there. Um, is, isn't there any uh, kind of confidentiality in uh, everything that you do? Absolutely. Right. And mm -hmm. just like doctors who, mm -hmm. you know, who observe confidentiality, 
-hmm. As part of the code of ethics of coaches, they absolutely have to keep everything a secret, uh -huh. even to their spouse, even to you know people that they live with. Of in the course, house. right. Um, uh -huh. But you know, for the coaching demos, if the client comes with an understanding that hey, this is going to be recorded. And we're going to show it to people for educational purposes. If there is that disclaimer at the beginning, mm -hmm. then it's completely okay. Oh, okay. So, um, in other words, uh, they waive the NDA, the non-disclosure agreement. Yes, absolutely. Uh -huh. uh, do, do they have to sign anything for that? Uh, usually, if, if, if this is being recorded, they just need to say at the beginning of the, the recording that I consent to having this session recorded. Uh-huh. Very nice because I know for a fact that psychologists and psychiatrists have this. Uh, well, it's a set rule. Uh, it's set in stone, actually, that uh, they cannot divulge anything uh, about even uh, uh, cite an example as an example a case of their uh, of their patients. Even if uh, they don't mention the names, uh, they cannot do that. And uh, I was wondering if, uh, well, I, I guess uh, you're more lenient as far as uh, your coaches are concerned. And of course, your coaches probably uh, would agree to you first before you divulging everything to the whole world, right? Oh, right. Like, uh, actually, George, they, there usually is a contract if someone is going in to go into a formal coaching engagement. Uh -huh. And in that contract, it will specify that the coach is going to maintain utmost confidentiality. As a matter of fact, if there are any breaches of confidence, you know, the, the client can actually go to the International Coaching Federation and report the coach for having violated that trust. I see. Okay, so like for instance, if I were a potential coachee and then I give you a call, let's, let's take for, for uh, you know, uh, let's take for example that uh, I don't know you from Adam. So I give you a call. Uh, Mr. Villamarzo, I'd like to be coached. So how does it go? What's the process? Right. So ideally, uh, since we don't know one another, mm -hmm. we probably should have a conversation that is not paid for. Mm -hmm. Meaning just for and you to get to know me, for me to get to know you. It's what's usually known as a chemistry meeting, just to see if there's oh, chemistry. And that's for free? It should be free. Uh-huh. Um, Unless you're, you're probably talking about a very, very highly paid coach who cannot even squeeze in 30 minutes of casual conversation uh -huh. into their schedule. Some of them might, you know, might charge for a consultation. Um, and after that meeting, if you decide that, okay, yes, let's have a coaching agreement, then they sign some sort of an agreement that has all of those things built into that agreement. And then they can talk about pretty much anything. And actually, I want to relate this, George, to what you said a while ago about you wanting to become a priest. Uh -huh. And I remember that there's that thing called the seal of the confession. Uh-huh, right, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that if I tell the priest, oh, you know, like I have a querida. And, uh -huh. he, and even if I tell the priest that, the priest cannot tell people that. Yes, that's right. Uh -huh. So similarly, if you say things like that to a coach, you know, you can be sure that, that they're not going to tell other people about that. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, how... how how popular is coaching here in the Philippines? Like, uh, uh, do you get a lot of uh, clients or coaches, or is this a relatively new uh, endeavor or uh, or career that uh, hardly anybody knows about it yet? Yeah. So there, there is a research actually, George, that was done mm -hmm. by the International Coaching Federation, and they compared the Asian countries, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, while Singapore, in Singapore, this is like so common. It's like, oh, I have a life coach. People uh-huh. say that just as casually as they say, you know, like I go to the dermatologist. Right? Yeah, right. Uh huh. But in the Philippines, it's like coaching. What is that? Like, why do you have to go through coaching? Are you uh-huh. in trouble? Do you, are you psycho? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. It has a stigma. Like uh, if you go to a shrink or a psychiatrist, some something has, has to be very wrong with you. Right? Yeah. So... <laughs> Unfortunately, like you said, the word stigma still exists in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. But I think slowly, 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 we're getting to the point where, you know, coaching is being given for free to college students or to groups that cannot afford it, all in Mm -hmm. the hopes of raising awareness that coaching exists. Mm -hmm. And uh, have they been successful or has the group been successful in promoting it? I probably think, George, that there is some leeway that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and as a matter of fact, you know, one of the things that people look forward to every year, it happens May uh, mm-hmm. of every year, mm-hmm. uh, there's what is known as the International Coaching Week. Oh, okay. And when that happens, coaches all over the world give away their coaching services for free. No kidding. Really? Every yeah. May? <laughs> so, it's, I mean, most of them actually, they do pro bono uh-huh. coaching. And so... In May, uh, it would be really good for people to take advantage of International Coaching Week. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of that, pro, pro bono coaching, um, here's good news for our listeners. Um, Arvi is going to do a pro bono coaching session in the next uh, episode or the next part of this uh, uh, four-part episode on coaching and mentoring. That's going to be next week. Is that right, Arvi? Yeah. So we're Uh going to have someone talk about a real life thing, like a problem or a goal, and we'll see what we can do in that conversation. Very nice. And um, what are the chances that uh, we're going to go over for for episodes? Uh, Would you be willing to, you know, to uh, do this on a semi-regular basis? Because uh, apparently a lot of people are interested in, you know, uh, um, I I have a student, uh, uh, um, a doctor who uh, who has listened to our episodes uh, probably about five times already. Wow! She told me about it, and uh, apparently she was uh, she 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 found it so interesting. Probably she'll need your services one of these days too. <laughs> cool. But uh, she she really found it very interesting what we were talking about. So I was, uh, you know, I was wondering if you'd be uh, able to accommodate the masterclass for uh, over four sessions. Maybe we could talk about so many other things that uh, would uh, pique the interest of uh, a lot of our listeners. Would you be able to do that? Yeah. And actually, George, now that you mentioned that, Mm -hmm. I I suppose eventually we'll run out of, you know, like theoretical stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So, Uh It might be, you know, we could, what we could actually do is bring a real life problem to every uh, episode. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no, we, we never run out of problems anyway. So uh, <laughs> somehow, somehow we're going to be hitting pay dirt uh, if we do that. Okay. So I'll take that in mind. I'll take that into consideration. And again, next week, uh, just a reminder to all you listeners, uh, watch out for that. Carvey is going to hold an actual coaching session here on the Masterclass. I don't know if it's a first in podcasts, but uh, it should be very, very interesting. I'm, I'm so excited about it. You're not going to hear so much from me during that episode. It's going to be RV and a coachee. 
uh, whoever that will be. That's for next week. And the last question, Arvi, before I let you go. Um, How does one improve as a coach? How do you keep on improving aside from uh, what you said were seminars uh, a la Professional Regulation Commission? Uh, uh, Do you you have to take any other specialized courses like um, the the coaching training that you're talking about or you were talking about earlier was for a general thing. What about if you want to zero in on, uh, let's say, for example, life coaching or uh, grief coaching? How do you do that? Is there specialized training for that? Yeah, there. so I, I can answer that question too, George. Number one is there is usually specialized training if you want to go into a specific uh, niche. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is something that we can borrow from you know the world of sports. Uh-huh. Uh, typically, there's such a thing called game film where you know the athletes watch their games mm-hmm. and then they sort of dissect it. Mm-hmm. So in the world of coaching, you listen to recordings of actual coaching sessions mm-hmm. and then together with the mentor, like you, the, the mentor coach actually tells you, okay, that was a great question. Or in this particular part of this conversation, you could have done this instead. Mm-hmm. And so it's really never ending. Um, and it's one of the ways by which you can improve as a coach when you actually hear yourself coaching through the recording. Yes, I guess uh, I guess that makes sense. Uh, again, hearing yourself, uh, I guess is is the best education ever. Uh, I I remember uh, when when we were still in radio. That's what happened to me when my boss said I was the worst DJ he's ever heard in his life. Oh wow! Did that really happen? <laughs> it really happened in front of uh, five guests from the international school. He barges. Oh he barges into the booth. Uh, screams at me, George, you're the worst DJ I've ever heard in my life. And I was so pissed at him. I wanted to throw him out of the window from <laughs> uh, from the seventh floor. But uh, I decided I was going to tell, I, I asked my technician, record my show. I'm going to prove to that jerk that uh, what he said was, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it was re- it was really humiliating in my part because I had guests from from uh, uh, student guests from uh, uh, international school at that time. So he recorded me. And uh, I listened to the recording. And you know what? I was the worst DJ I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But George, as you tell that story, what I'm hearing is that here was someone who gave you feedback. Mm -hmm. You took it constructively. As a matter of fact, you probably used it to power your desire to be better. And Uh now look at you. Like (laughs) you're, you're an industry veteran who is teaching other people how to be good DJs themselves. You know, uh, if had he not done that, probably I would have been stuck in a rut somehow because I thought I was good already until he said I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so this world would not have had a George Boone if you had not listened to that feedback or uh-huh. if you had thrown him out from the seventh floor. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? We're, we're, we're the best of friends. Now we play in a band together. Really? Wow. Yeah. We play in a band together. And, you know, come to think of it, he was my very first boss on radio when I was 15 years old. And even wow. during high school, when I was about 12 or 13, I met him for the first time. He was a popular DJ that time already. And he was the first one who told me, do not shout when you're talking because there's a microphone. And a microphone is a volume control. All you have to do is adjust the volume control. That was my first lesson when I was in second, third year high school, when I was manning the, the school fair in our school, Lourdes School. 
and he was the guest DJ that time. And that's what he told me. I didn't even know him from any from Adam. I just knew he was a popular DJ. And then uh, after graduation from high school, I applied in a radio station. He became my first boss. And then several years after, in 1978, that's when he screamed at me about uh, my being a really bad DJ. Mm, wow. <laughs> and now we play together in a band. Yeah, so... <laughs> It's always wise not to throw people out of the seventh floor. Oh yeah, right. Uh, that lessons learned, uh, and uh, and of course, uh, you know, you know how it is when you're young. Uh, somehow, uh, it's easier to lose your temper, right? But now, when as you get older, you get tempered. Oh wow! Right? Wow! And um, I guess uh, everything turned out fine. I'm I'm grateful to I'm grateful to him. There wouldn't be an RV also if had I hated him and thrown him out of the window. <laughs> or maybe George we would have met one another in prison <laughs> who knows right yeah. alright so looking forward to the next episode that's uh, we're going to have a coaching session thank you so much Harvey for being with us and you could go back to work now and so ladies and gentlemen that's it thank you for joining us here in Masterclass if you have any comments suggestions or questions just email us at george at cutbrandproductions.com that's george at cutbrandproductions.com don't forget Boomer's Banquet my live stream every Saturday from 10 in the morning to 12 noon we're featuring radio stations actually like vintage radio stations uh, just to reminisce a lot of things about what was going on in radio during the 70s. So that's what we're doing right now. You want to catch Boomer's Banquet? It's on every Saturday morning in the Philippines from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And it's on YouTube and Facebook, Twitch and uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Till then, we'll see you again here in Masterclass. Thanks for joining us. Good night. God bless. Ad Mayorem. De Gloria.